thinking about asking you uh, just before we start, how was that instruction about uh, stay and soften? Did that was that a useful instruction? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not going to take a vote. Uh, for myself, and we'll, we'll just do this for a nodding of heads, I find that, that um, if, if I were to find, I, I'm going to make an addendum to those instructions of stay, just here we sat for a half hour. My experience is I sit a little bit, and I'm just, I'm just happy I sit, and my, my breath comes in and out. It's a pleasure. I'm not thinking about it. I feel that's happening. And I, I hear little sounds in the room, not so much. But mostly I feel good and I feel at ease. And uh, at one point, I, I all of a sudden realized that uh, two days from now, um, two, day, two days from now, I've invited some folks for dinner, which is fine. I'm happy about that and they're coming. Uh, but I'm not going to be at home. I, my daughter lives in the North County. She's, she and her family are out of town. My husband and I are babysitting a dog for the weekend. So I started thinking, how am I going to get the necessary serving apparatus that I like to serve that particular dinner in up to her house unless I go here first and pick it up and bring it there and the store that I want to go to. And I found myself quite seriously sitting here probably looking like I was in seventh heaven or really. <laughs> and I was planning the logistics of how I was going to get to Trader Joe's where they sell a particular item that I need and then get to her. And I, and so I thought, and I realized it. I thought, ah. And then, of course, the minute you really, you don't have to think, oh, I'll bring my attention back when you say, ah, your attention is back. And I, what I realized in the next moment is how pleasant it is to let it go. It's just like a balloon that floats off. You don't need it. And as I said to female, but this is terrific. This stuff really works. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. But what if they're out of that thing in Trader Joe's? It was the strangest thing. And it was the strangest thing because I went back and I said, listen, this doesn't matter. You know, because you have to use something to, because it's got enough glue on it. This doesn't matter. Take 10 breaths. So then you come back and take 10 breaths. Well, I'm taking 10 breaths anyway but bringing the attention to the 10 breaths. And then the 10 breaths are finished and you just relax. And that balloon has really drifted away by then. But sometimes you really have to do something. You can't just be here. That's really why I like to say the instructions differently every week. Because the general instruction is be at ease with whatever happens. Be comfortable in yourself, which is both the instruction and the end point of practice. So in between that, there's a lot of skillful means for how to do that. I could have said, may I meet this moment fully? May I meet it as a friend? May I meet this moment fully? May I meet it as a friend? It's just a rubric to say to myself, and it's good, because I like to say that. I could, say, I could be saying, and I often do, say to myself, peaceful and happy. Peaceful and happy. I say it if I'm peaceful and happy. And I say it if I'm not peaceful and happy, because I, in the moment that I realize that my, my attention has grabbed onto something that's making a deal out of it, and I think, ah, unpleasant, peaceful and happy. That's what I'd like to have, peaceful and happy. And 
it's not that I'm a brilliant meditator, but I've been doing this a long time. And when you give the mind that's been practicing a long time an instruction, like peaceful and happy, it makes it. It's just like open sesame. It's um, abracadabra. There is a certain amount of, it isn't even magic. I was going to say there's a certain amount of magic about this. It's not magic. It's like tuning your instrument. It's just, you know, when you suddenly, I'm out of tune. Okay. So, how many people, this is always that bad moment where you say, who brought the homework? And the people who weren't here last week say, ah! <laughs> who brought back the paper that they took home last week? And we'll share it with the person next to them. Okay, maybe we'll use that paper. I'm, I'm going to give it, so just not to feel bad, I'm going to give you more paper today. Wait. Everybody is now going to have a paper for today, at least. Who's going to be? Mark, do you want to be a, uh, um, yeah. So then we have a total of three papers. No, we have a total of uh, two papers, two papers, two papers, two papers, last week's and this week's. Do you have it? Maria, you weren't here last week. I have a last week paper, too. Okay, Maria, give these to anyone who doesn't have a last week paper. Okay. Okay. So put the papers, these particular papers, in your wallet or in your purse so that we do them. We're not up to the papers yet, though. Just have a paper ready, ready with the paper. There were two things that I wanted to show you first and that I wanted to tell you about. Okay. This is the beginning. Just hold on to the paper. Last week and the week before that. <laughs> well, who forgot to bring it back? <laughs> But more for today. So more for today? Yeah. That one is more for today. Okay, thank you. Okay. I may have to borrow one of those back. Okay. You should have the third, the faith verses of the third Zen you patriarch. Need this one, don't you? I do, and I also need Chuang Tzu. There you go. Okay. Okay. You'll share. Okay. Listen, guys, it's, uh, these are hundreds of years old, so we'll keep on having access to them. <laughs> when I was here, too, Maria, what have you got? Huh? All right. Uh, you have to share with somebody because I haven't got another one. Okay, here we, here we go. Da -da -da. Uh, when I came back after being away for a little while, three weeks ago, I said, okay, these three weeks, we're going to do basic dharma. First of all, I already said today, the whole basic dharma is figure out a way to make your way through this life courageously. The last word that, the, I didn't say that today, I am now saying it today. 
uh, it's the last words that the Buddha actually said. So they say, it's in in the last uh, in the Parinibbana Sutta, Mahaparinibbana Sutta, where it's the last teaching before he dies. At the end, his next to the last sentence is translated as transient are all created things means everything that arises passes away this breath comes this breath goes this life comes this life goes this thought comes this thought goes let's follow this one along for a minute no i'll come back to it that uh, that that um basic understanding of impermanence. I'm going to read to you in a minute where uh, Amadeo Solelara says, once you get that, you know there's nothing to worry about. That particular line, which I'll read to you in a minute, I had copied out, laminated, and I carried it around with me for years in my pocket, being, for whatever reason, a chronic warrior. I found that so helpful, even... I'll read it to you exactly from him. Okay, hold on. I'll read it to you exactly from him. The Buddha's teaching. This is why the Buddha said, uh, uh, actually about impermanence, the complete, uh, it is possible, in order to see really clearly, it's possible to cultivate the mindful, non-reactive observation of bodily and mental processes so as to develop an increasingly thorough awareness, undistorted by our usual fears, desires, views, etc., of their true nature. Now, this is going to be their true nature. The true nature is impermanent, without self, and therefore involving suffering on our part until we learn to let go. That's the sentence, and it says, It is through mindful observation of what is actually there that the delusion which makes us perceive that which is impermanent and transient as permanent and lasting is gradually dispelled. Liberation consists in experiencing and understanding fully and clearly that everything is impermanent and seeing that there is, quite literally, nothing to worry about. Isn't that a great thing? Doesn't that, I mean, am I the only one who finds that stirring? <laughs> How many people find that stirring? <laughs> Maybe it's boring and stirring. <laughs> Or well, maybe it's ludicrous. I believe it. <laughs> Do you worry less it? Yes. Yes, yes. I really, you know what I do less, Susan? Uh, I stay stuck with things less. A worry arises in my mind, and I say to myself, look at that. The cookie cutter is still making worries. You know, it just, uh, I have a cookie cutter mind that's, everybody's got a cookie cutter that makes uh, worries or lusts or grudges or whatever, and it rises in the mind. They say, oh, look at that. There's that worry. I don't have to take that seriously. It's just the way my, you know, 
It's like I take short steps because I'm a short person. It came with the equipment. You know, the, but I don't have to take it as real. Which, and I have much more ability to say, oh, don't go there. With, here comes a worry. They might not get home safe. But look at that, still doing that. They might not, but probably they will forward. And I don't get attached to them. They arise because it's what comes up. Ramdas said, you know, in the end, you, get, you have your same old neurotic patterns, but they're not a problem. You know, that you just see the same old neurotic problems. And Could you read the last sentence again? <laughs> you like that sentence? If you want, I'll bring you a... I, uh, I'll bring you it next time. How many people would like a laminated bookmark? <laughs> Christmas present. It, uh, liberation consists in experiencing and understanding fully and clearly that everything is impermanent and seeing that there is quite literally nothing to worry about. See, you have to get it, you know. Do you remember last week? I see Amara's. Do you remember last week I told you the story of my experience with Kwang um, uh, Roshi, the Zen master, who said being in the class is the same as not being in the class. And you say, nah, that's some Zen nonsense. That's enigmatic, up is down and down is out, and, you know, who knows. And then all of a sudden, at some moment, you get it. It's not rational. But you get it in some profound way, the, which is really one of the things that I wanted to talk about, or at least mention today, is uh, I realize about myself and I realize about my friends and listening to them teaching that we say the same thing over and over again. These are the Four Noble Truths. These are the Eightfold Path. This is the Five uh, uh, Afflictive Energies. These are the Three Factors of the characteristics of experience. These are the seven factors of enlightenment. We teach about them over and over. We tend to tell the same uh, certain uh, Dharma stories that were most transformative to us because they touched us at a certain time. And we say some new things. I mean, I said some things today that I never said before, but we say new things. But mostly we say the same few things over and over and over again, like peace is possible and it requires cultivation. And for some people, extraordinarily, in one moment, for Eckhart Tolle, for Byron Katie, uh, for Adyashanti, maybe, in one moment their mind is cleared of all confusions. For most of us, slowly, slowly, we make incremental changes. It's very thrilling when it happens to other people and their mind never gets caught in uh, ignorance again. But... That's a very rare thing. I think that what we're talking about in this tradition is the cultivation over time of the ability not to grasp on and make problems out of things. That's what we're really... And this is say it over and over again because one of the things that I've realized over all the years, I want to say this right, is that I hear the same thing again and again, but I get it better. You know, and, and actually, I've, I've said it before a million times, and all of a sudden, I really get it. Like, if you don't make a fuss out of this, it'll go away. It'll just pass. Which doesn't mean that it doesn't, that I don't feel it, doesn't mean that I don't uh, have a, a, a response to it. It means that none of it is a problem. Even the response is not a problem. Uh, 
That's what I wrote here. Be sure to say I. That you, I keep understanding that for a while. I thought I. I thought to myself. I got this already, so what's the big deal once you get it? Actually, in the very beginning, years ago, I, I haven't heard this talk in a long time from one of my colleagues, but in the beginning when I first started my meditation practice and I'd go on a lot of retreats, and one of the teachers would always give a talk called, these are the three factors, these are the three characteristics of experience. And how many here have ever heard a talk called These Are the Three Characteristics of Experience? And then they'd say the first characteristic is impermanence. And they'd talk about how things are in the future and then they march towards you. And then they're suddenly in the past, which always seems to seem somehow spatially behind you, like you're walking along the road of life and kindergarten is back there. And uh, actually, I'm thinking about what's ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Nursing homes, I don't know, or ahead. I'm looking for something better than that. <laughs> My grandchildren's weddings is ahead of me. There you go. You can always find something that, you know, mostly always. Um, but it's not spatially there. It's all encoded in neurons. It's not anywhere. It's not even in the neurons until something... Uh, uh, prompts it to arise in the neurons so that they're, they make themselves known in a thought. But I remember hearing those talks about impermanence. They'd say everything is impermanent. The past already is not going to, you know, the Civil War happened, the Declaration of Independence happened. Uh, whatever. Uh, your graduation from your children's birth, your grandchildren's birth, they happened. Um, I said, that was very important to know. And I thought to myself, this is so not nice. It really kind of shows my sort of my mind at its um, snarkiest. I think, who doesn't know that? Everybody knows that. The past, you know, everything passes. But we don't know it, actually, when things are really awful. We forget that. When we're really, really in terrible pain, you know, we forget it. When we're really, really depressed, it's not at all helpful for people to say this is going to pass because it just makes you feel that they can't understand how upset you are. If they understood, they'd know it's not going to pass. And there are dreadful, dreadful things that happen to people. I was thinking about that, that loss of a young person. That, that the young people who are affected by it will never forget that that happened. But the impact of just learning about it will not be as as um, painful. But I thought that. Then they'd say the second of those characteristics is uh, that nothing happens without a cause. It's a uh, lawful, uh, it's a lawful universe, it's a lawful life, that things happen because other things happen. Uh, the old uh, idea about if a butterfly was flapping its wings in New England, is a distal cause of a typhoon in the South Pacific. So it's a, it's a way of saying everything is related to everything. Some things in a proximal way and some things in a distal way. Uh, we didn't come to have uh, this kind of difficulties in our political system We'd, out of nowhere. Uh, they built up over time and because of reasons and because of plans and because of this and because of that. 
I found myself, I was pleased with myself this morning because I, I know, and you probably know, that there's a debate on television this afternoon. The people debating are part of a party that I probably am not going to vote for. Be, I, you know, I'm not supposed to be political, but, you know, in my life, uh, as a child of trade unionists, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and immigrants to the United States, that hasn't been the party. Although, if it's yours, that's fine. I have a lot of respect for what it used to be. But I was thinking about... <laughs> no, that, 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 that's, a, that's not an unkind thing to say. That's not an unkind thing to say. I heard this morning, I heard this morning a very, I heard this morning, the, the, it was one of these guests of the year on the KDFC. They say we're playing the music from a certain year. In that same year, Dwight Eisenhower said it'd be a bad idea to get involved in Vietnam. Uh, you know what year it is? I was so proud of myself. Guess. 1953. Yeah. But I, you know, I was proud of myself because I, I, I knew when Dwight Eisenhower because I just started college. That, anyway, but I thought to myself then he was a part of that party. Anyway, I, this morning I suddenly had a really, like a concerned feeling for all of those candidates that are debating this afternoon. They have to be so really tired already. It's more than a year from next year's elections, and everybody's getting beaten up and down every day. Not a single unquoted quote. They can't shake their head the wrong way. It's a terrible thing. Uh, it must be such an awful strain. I had really a compassion about it. So. And then I was pleased with myself that I had the compassion. But anyway, <laughs> I was. Um, but everything, everything has a reason. It didn't get... It didn't get this way overnight. Things happened, and then other things happened. And then other things can happen, will happen, that will make it different. I think it'll change again. This will not be how it'll be forever and ever. Things will happen, it'll change again. But that everything has a cause, and everything that happens has causes and ripples out forever and ever. In, in uh, Buddhist text, the awareness of the effect of everything you do. It, the, the words for it are hiri and otapa, and they mean, um, they're poorly translated as moral shame and moral dread. But what it really means when you read what it says is that it's an awareness of how, how impactful every action is, that every action really counts. How many people here remember a bad criticism that someone said to them when they were less than five years old? Less than 10. How many people remember really old criticisms? You know, the sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's so not true. That's so not true. We get affected for years and years, and then we behave as if affected by that. It's really touching. So that moral shame and moral dread is an injunction to be careful about what you do because whatever you do is impactful. If you don't do something, it's impactful. I mean, if you say, I'm not doing anything, uh, that, that has, has sequelae as well. So I, when they taught that, everything has a cause and everything makes, is a cause of something.
So it's a lawful. Actions have sequelae. Uh, I got that one too. And uh, then they talked about somehow that means that there's nothing there. It's just uh, uh, no one who has does the actions and uh, receives the sequelae. That was the thing that uh, that 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 seeing that particular truth. Oh, the second truth is that if you struggle with what's what's your experience, you'll suffer. I, that one I really believe because I knew it to be true. And then they said, since everything is just only the cause of things and the effect of things, there's nothing there. I said, no, no, that one is wrong. That one, that's, that one about that insight about emptiness, that is a wrong insight. They have it wrong. There is an I who's experiencing all of this. And I remember thinking to myself, I love these teachers and I love the Dharma, but on this particular point, they're wrong. I also, I also, but you know, I also am very well behaved. I may have a snarky and, and, and cynical mind, but I'm very well behaved. So I never said to anybody, by the way, I think this whole Dharma is wrong. Because first of all, I was always there on retreats and I loved sitting and I loved listening to these stories. It just seemed to me that that was wrong. And I thought that until I knew it wasn't wrong, until the, the, the experience of there is no one. It's just the arising and passing away of experiences and thoughts about them and stories about them. But this is an extraordinary, this is an extraordinary organism, this mind-body organism that takes everything and makes it into a story of which I am the hero or you are the heroine or he, you are the hero or whatever. And it's a very um, and it's a and it's a very big liberation to realize that there's no one there, and not that actions don't have sequelae, and not that there aren't feelings in life, but that that's the way it is, and the story that we tell about it can be different if it's informed. The story that gets told about it can be different if the mind is trained. To know these is this is what happens. It's like this. Remember, I talked that told you last week about Ajahn Sumedho saying it's like this. Certain things are like this. So really, what I wanted to say because I want I was having such a good time last week with everybody reading a, a poem. How do I want to do this first? Since some people weren't here last week. Oh, take out the last week one. No, I'm not going to start that way. I'm going to start another way. By the way, this was the back page of the New York Times Magazine supplement last weekend. This is an interview with Yoko Ono that she has uh, illustrated. And these are the questions. Which cartoon character do you relate to? I'm not a cartoon. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I don't remember. What are you never without? My heart. I'm going to tell you all of them. Uh, what makes you smile? You. What exercise do you regularly do? I meditate. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I don't need to change anything. <laughs> what would your final thoughts be? 
sound of the universe. So that was one thing. You can come and look at it later if you want. The second thing I wanted to show you was um, there's an article about uh, amazing foods in different parts of the world. And there's a big article about the philosopher chef. The most exquisite food in the world, say many celebrated chefs, is being made not in Copenhagen or New York, but in a remote temple complex south of Seoul by a 59-year-old Buddhist nun who cooks vegan cooking. And uh, they show lots of pictures of it. And it says, Korean temple cuisine is rooted in the principle that from a chef's perspective doesn't make any sense. You're not supposed to crave it. And they go on to describe that every dish is absolutely perfect, and it's enough, and you don't want more, and you don't want less. It's really a beautiful article, so come up and see it if you want afterwards. Do you have it at home? Keep it. Yeah, yeah. It's very the whole the whole thing is very good. Ah, tata, I'm trying to decide. Let's start with the one I brought today, because nobody has a head up, a leg up on that one. And let's look at the empty boat by Chuang Tzu. And let's get a partner. Everybody has a partner. Find a partner. There you go. Partner. Everybody all right with where they are and who they are? And anybody needs a partner, put their hand up. Need a partner, anybody? Here. Okay. If you don't, if you if you need a partner and you don't have one, make a threesome with somebody. That's okay too. Take look at the empty boat by Chuang Tzu. Empty boat. Let's read it out loud, the first two paragraphs, together. He who rules men lives in confusion. He who is ruled by men lives in sorrow. Tao, therefore, desired neither to influence others nor to be influenced by them. The way to get clear of confusion and free of sorrow is to live with Tao in the land of the great void. If a man is crossing a river and an empty boat collides with his own skiff, even though he be a bad-tempered man, he will not become very angry. But if he sees a man in the boat, he will shout at him to steer clear. If the shout is not heard, he will shout again and yet again and begin cursing, all because there is somebody in the boat. Yet if the boat were empty, he would not be shouting and not empty, not angry. Okay, there we are. Okay. So that's as much as we maybe should talk about with each other. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So what do you think? That uh, Really, the piece that I 
new from 30 or 40 years ago is the second paragraph of A Man Is Crossing a River. And uh, it, even when I was still thinking, what are they talking about? This was meaningful to me. So let's take five minutes and work on it with each other, that particular second paragraph. In terms of your own life experience, what do you think about it? And can you tell a story about yourself? Okay, go.
What I really like about doing this is that the truth is that at home I have at home I have a little folder of which I could use the rest of my life of certain pieces of literature or understanding that we could look at for the rest of our lives and they and each time you look at it and you understand a little more Mo wanted to tell us something about 
I went. I was walking around, and she said, "I have a story." So, oh, okay. Well, can you stand up so everybody hears? Okay, here I am. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was sitting on retreat up in the hall, and I love the early morning sits. They're so quiet, and it's dark and everything. And that particular morning, there was this really annoying noise that went chirp, 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 chirp. You know, and it was coming right from where the uh, recording device is. And I, my mind went into this whole thing. Oh, this electrical system, haven't they gotten this figured out yet? This is a meditation hall. Who left this on? We're supposed to be quiet in the morning. It was probably that person over there who's always mucking with the electrical system. You know. <laughs> and then about halfway through the sit, I realized it was a cricket. <laughs> and my mind just totally shifted like within seconds. Like, oh, nice cricket. <laughs> He probably wants him out. I hope he gets out of here safely. And it was like, it totally diffused yeah. the yeah. whole thing. Because there was no one in the boat. There's no one in the boat. Uh, or there's a cricket in the boat, but the cricket, you know. it's a, uh, That's great. Anybody else? Thank you very much. Anybody else want to say there? You're all talking. It's got to be something. <laughs> This is Susan. Oh, yeah. Um, about two and a half years ago, I um, was very thrilled to be able to buy a little Mini Cooper convertible. And um, I took Jerry and myself one afternoon for a nice sporty drive out to Point Reyes. And we're driving along with the top down. It's wonderful. And all of a sudden, I hear this noise in the car. And it comes and it goes, and I think, oh my goodness, I got a lemon. This is a brand new car, and something's wrong with it. This is terrible. Terrible noise, you know. So it was, I think it was a Sunday. So on Monday, I called the dealership, and I said, you know, when I do this, and I do that, and I slow down, and I this noise is terrible. He said, you know, we worked very, very hard to get that noise. He says, that's the noise of a sports car, of a turbo, you know, that, 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 that backfiring kind of noise. Well, to, the, to this day, since that day, I love that noise. It's like I rev up that car and I laugh. Right? I laugh and I think, there's that wonderful, wonderful noise. <laughs> All right, uh, so I want us to do the other poem, but just because you did that, Susan, it's great. And just because I know that there are people out all over, I love this, all over the world listening to us on Thursday. Uh, somebody sent this to me last Thursday after we had talked here in class. And she said, listen, apropos of the car, I remember that. She said, I want to tell you, thank you for what you teach. And she said... Um, I bought a new car recently. I had 400 miles on the odometer. The transmission went wacky when I was leaving work one day. It wouldn't shift up, and I could only drive about 10 miles an hour. I turned it off and back on. Maybe the computer's messed up to no avail. I made it as far as a cemetery, a short distance away, <laughs> and I pulled in to call the tow truck. 
Then I settled down to wait for the tow truck, and it hit me where I was. I'm in a cemetery. And I thought about how you've been saying about putting things into a perspective. <laughs> and I thought to myself, look around. You're going to get undone by a car? And so, so the thought I had, this shouldn't be happening to a brand new car with big, with, uh, with capital letters, brand new car. My anger and my indignation had arisen, but right behind that, I changed that to, I wish this wasn't happening. And then I waited. I said to myself, this isn't what I wanted, but it's what I've got. You know, the whole thing is, it's the first lines of the Dhammapada is, mind is the author of all things. We are making up the whole story. Look at, we have five minutes. Two minutes to read The Little Duck, and then three minutes we'll talk about it. I love The Little Duck. It was written in 1947 and published in The New Yorker at that time. Read it to each other with your partner. Here's a hint. Here's a hint. Find the line that you think is most important to you. What's the line that's most important? Yeah, I know. I'm going to take a minute. 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 I'
So this is not a quiz, and it doesn't have a right answer. It doesn't have a right answer. Do you like it? So which line would you want to, we'll just say one line. Pick out a line and stand it up and shout it out. Go up. He can rest while the Atlantic heaves because he rests in the Atlantic. Thank you very much. Another person. He has made himself a part of the boundless. Anybody else? There you go. He reposes in the immediate as if it were infinity, which it is. Which it is. And what does he do, I ask you? He sits down in the <laughs> <laughs> And he doesn't know much. <laughs> he doesn't know much. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, two lines. He has hardly enough above the eyes to be a philosopher. Mm -hmm. and further down, but he realizes it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I see people debating. I pick a different line every time. Today I was particularly struck by, wait, he... Uh, Reposes in the immediate as if it were the infinite, which it is. I think about the fact that we just, here we are in this life, we can't do anything more. I mean, I can't affect the whole planet or anybody else's life, actually. I can repose, I can make my mind into a state of repose, not fighting with what is, and uh, then not have a problem with the rest of it, not, not know it. Just not have a problem with it. I think about that so much in, uh, because I think that the, for me, for all of us, I think, the move between, people say, well, what if you don't have an opinion about things? Uh, if we had had time, we'd go back and look at that line in the Zen Patriarch that says, to know the truth, only cease to cherish opinions. Like, uh, when we watch the debate tonight, if we watch, probably have a lot of opinions about whether or not what people are saying is true or not true. I have this, uh, always have in the political seasons, not just with these particular candidates, I'll have it next week as well, that I have this, uh, I have a, a kind of naive hope that someone is going to invent a uh, bellometer or something, a liometer, <laughs> so that when, when anybody makes a statement, because the following day after the debate, you have fact check from Politico, and they tell you who said the right and who said things that are actually true or not true. But if it was somehow magically hooked up to every candidate, and as soon as they said something that wasn't true, a big bell rang, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That would be a really, then we could have a discussion about what should we do now because we'd see clearly. But to be able to listen to what I pretty well think is not true or outrageous or, uh, and to be able to listen to it in between and to, and to think this is awesome, look at this, what, what's going on, wow, and not, and not uh, agonize about it. 
This is what a debate is like now at this time. May it be different sometime in the future. May it be more civil. May we be, when we come to a place where we really can't talk to each other. Uh, so I talked to a lot of people that say, oh, I can't stand to watch it. It's too upsetting. Um, I'd like to be able to do it, and not to say you should if you don't want to, be plenty of reruns. But if you do watch, to see if you can do it as a, as a spiritual practice. You say, my friend Tony Bernhardt, who comes here to teach, says that one of his practices in his car is listening to vituperative talk radio of the kind that he doesn't believe in. People who have the other opinion, I won't tell you who, but people who have another opinion from him to see if he can listen without being viscerally riled up. Tony's much better than I am. I, I have a hard time with that. But I'm going to try to do it tonight because I've been thinking about I actually Since I actually had genuine compassion for them all this morning, there's some possibility I could do that. So uh, I was going to say, let's have, a, let's have a discussion when I'm back in several weeks and say, who managed to do that as a homework? Are you enjoying this business with the poetry? I think it's such a nice way for us to talk to each other. Otherwise, it's just me carrying on all the time. <laughs> all right, well, I guess I think I'm not here for a few weeks, but I might see you. Uh, I hope you come on the 8th to the next generation, and I hope you come on the 15th. 14th. That's when I'm going to come, the 15th, when it's finished, when whatever I do with Nina will have happened. So <laughs> now we'll practice. So may all beings everywhere be peaceful and happy and come to the end of suffering. You know what? It is awesome. It is awesome that at uh, one of the other things I heard on the way over this morning, that 1953, which is the year that Dwight Eisenhower said that, um, was the year that color television was introduced. And uh, they, the, the commentator said we had a 10-inch screen. We are going to be watching television tonight that is broadcast simultaneously, first of all in color, all around the world, uh, that's really amazing. That's awesome. Awesome. On a giant screen. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.